Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. On our program this evening, how real is the threat of a snap election in just a matter of hours? The battle line drawn between the minority government and opposition parties over a conservative plan to revive the investigation into the WE charity controversy. MPs held an emergency debate and condemned the rising tensions in the Nova Scotia fishery, but is enough being done to resolve the crisis? I'll speak with the Minister of Fisheries and Oceans. And our panel of parliamentary journalists will be here to weigh in on the likelihood of a trip to the polls for Canadians just around the corner. And that's where we'll begin tonight with the looming threat of a federal election. That's right, a snap federal vote during the second and worsening wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. Members of Parliament spent much of the day debating a Conservative motion to create a special parliamentary committee to examine the WE controversy and other allegations of ethical breaches uh, committed by the minority government. Liberals say, look, this committee would paralyze the government during the pandemic and warned again they will treat the motion as a confidence matter and seek a snap election if it's passed in the Commons. The vote will take place Wednesday afternoon and the Prime Minister has made it clear to opposition leaders he's prepared to go to the polls to shut down opposition attempts to investigate those ethical breaches. Speaker, Canadians have a trust problem with this Prime Minister. It's because he keeps looking after people who need his help the least. Now Canadians want to know what powerful friend is he protecting now? Whose name is beneath all the black ink on the WE documents? Who did he prorogue Parliament for? Who was promoting schemes that cost taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars? Who was he protecting when he instructed his Liberal MPs to filibuster for hours at committee? Who and what are the Prime Minister covering up with these latest threats of an election? Oh. The Right Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, with what the Leader of the Opposition said this morning, with the motion he put forward in his own name, and even uh, with the question he's asking, he is demonstrating clearly that he has lost confidence in the government's ability to manage this pandemic. The question he has put before the House, which will be voted on tomorrow, uh, is uh, whether or not Parliament has lost the confidence of uh, the government has lost the confidence of Parliament. We believe that we need to continue to work together together in Parliament to deliver, which is why we're proposing a special committee to, uh, to look into government spending, uh, why we will continue to focus on Canadians while Conservatives focus on politics. So here's where we stand. The Bloc Québécois says it will support the Conservative motion. That means the NDP would have to vote against the motion to keep the minority government afloat. But the NDP leader would not give a definitive answer this afternoon. It seems to me, though, that the Prime Minister is looking for an excuse. So if there is an election, it is going to be because the prime minister has found a way to do it. And what he should do is just come out and tell people, hey, I want an election. Like, why is he beating around? And why is he, why is he beating around the bush? Why is he trying to use excuses? If he wants an election, he should just go out and say it. I don't. 
Well, let's follow up on this threat of a snap election over the creation of this special committee. I'm joined by three members of parliament. The vote, by the way, will happen Wednesday, which is uh, the first anniversary of the last election in this country, general election. Uh, let's bring in the MPs. Kevin Lamoureux, the parliamentary secretary to the government house leader. Michael Barrett is the ethics critic for the official opposition conservatives. And Charlie Angus is the ethics critic for the NDP. Good to see you all, gentlemen. Mr. Angus, let me start with you. Uh, people having a tough time again, reporters trying to pin down Jagmeet Singh on whether ND New Democrats are going to support this conservative motion or not. Can you help us out here? Uh, are the NDP going to support it or not? Well, we have put forward the idea of this special committee in order to get the work of Parliament happening again, uh, because under the Prime Minister, he's blocked the work of committees. Um, now the Prime Minister is threatening an election in the middle of uh, the worst medical and economic catastrophe in a century. Um, we have reached out to the government and said, this has to be a credible committee. This can't be something that's run by the Liberals for the Liberals to protect the Prime Minister. We have said we want an opposition chair. Uh, we said if the Liberals are, are mistrustful, let's vote on the chair from the opposition. Uh, so we're waiting to see. Uh, I don't know what the Liberals are up to. I mean, this okay, but if, not, if nothing, if, if nothing, documents, so we shall see. If nothing changes, if they don't take you up on uh, the overtures you've made uh, about how this committee can be constructed, uh, if there's no movement, uh, are you saying the NDP will then, in fact, vote against, uh, vote in support of this conservative motion and uh, against the government, in effect? Well, we are going to get answers one way or another. Um, so. Uh, I will leave the negotiations to our leader's office in terms of what's happening, if they're talking, if the Liberals are interested. I don't know. Uh, J Justin Trudeau seems to think that he may uh, use this pandemic as a reason to advance Liberal causes. This is really in the Liberals' court. We shall see what they do. Uh, and if they call the election, that that's their decision. All right. Uh, Mr. Lemmer, let me go to you. Uh, the, the Liberals prorogued. Uh, the government paroled Parliament, then it shut down the committees, so that shut down the committees investigating we at the time. Um, since then, the House, has been, uh, the House has been back. The Liberals have filibustered the Ethics and Finance Committee to block the reopening of the WE investigations there, and now you're threatening to force a snap election to block any further investigation into the WE controversy. If the government has nothing to hide, why turn the creation of this committee into a confidence issue? You know, it's, it's not about hiding from anything. It's about establishing and reinforcing uh, that as a government, we need to, to work uh, with uh, Canadians and all parliamentarians as much as possible in uh, fighting and combating the coronavirus uh, and uh, keeping uh, Canadian society and our economy uh, well and, and healthy. And that's really all this is about. At the end of the day, uh, we want to have a House of Parliament that is is focused on what we believe is the utmost of importance in all regions of our country. But are you, are you saying that MPs can't take care, you know, can't, can't be working on a, a pandemic response and be part of other committee investigations at the same time? I'm saying that if you take collectively a look in terms of what it is that the opposition, in particular it's the Conservative Party, the official opposition, has put into place that it is it's it's not acceptable it's it's when they talk about us filibustering in committee this is nothing in comparison to what it is that the conservative party is trying to do obviously their priorities are wrong 
from okay. my perspective, and I've been in opposition for over 20 years, okay. I believe that they're not doing the same type of things uh, that are being supportive of Canadians, and they're putting in roadblocks to prevent the government from being able to continue to move forward right. on Mr. such a, a vital important. Mr. Barrett, Mr. O'Toole said this morning he doesn't have confidence in the government, uh, but he amended the motion to remove the word corruption, and uh, he added a clause saying it cannot be taken as a confidence matter. But uh, I, I guess you either have confidence in the government or you don't. And if you don't, why shouldn't we have an election? Look, the, Justin Trudeau is a prime minister who's twice been found guilty of breaking ethics laws under investigation for a third time. Uh, do I have confidence in Justin Trudeau? No, I don't. But that's not what we're dealing with right now. We're looking for answers for Canadians. And when the prime minister prorogued parliament... In, in August, he said when Parliament returned, there would be lots of times at committee, there would be lots of time for members to ask questions. Well, we've tried. They filibustered committees, and now they're threatening an election when we're going to have a special committee to deal specifically with the, the misspending of this government, allegations of corruption, to allow the Finance Committee, the Ethics Committee, the Health Committee to continue to do their important work in response to the pandemic. The answers from the parliamentary secretary are, are absolutely wild that, uh, you know, it's it's the government who's going to set the agenda. And if opposition members don't get in line, well, we're going to have an election. It sounds like Justin Trudeau wants an election. We've heard from all three opposition party leaders today. We want answers, but we're not asking for an election. Right. But it, OK, Mr. Angus, like, let me take you back to how, how you see a way out of this. Then we've got, uh, as, as Mr. Barrett points out, the blocks on. Bloc's going to support the motion. Conservatives are going to support their own motion, obviously. Still waiting to hear from the NDP. Uh, what, what, what do you think, what, what has to happen here? Clearly what you're suggesting is the government would have to climb down to make this work, and that doesn't sound like it's going to happen. Well, we shall see. Um, Justin Trudeau shown an a staggering willingness uh, to put his own interests ahead of the interests of Canadians. Uh, he prorogued Parliament. He shut down our committees. Then they started to filibuster our committees. We reached out to the Liberals in good faith and said, listen, you're complaining work's not getting done at the committees. Well, the work wasn't being done because the Liberals wouldn't stop talking about everything irrelevant. Let's create a special committee. Uh, they agreed. And then they wanted it run and driven by Liberals. Uh, well, we've seen how that. We saw what happened with the Jody Wilson-Rabel investigation and Justice Committee and how they shut that down. We've seen how finance has been shut down. We see how they're treating ethics. So we said, no, we need an opposition chair, someone that we can all trust, we put our faith in, we'll set, set these, this committee up, um, and then we can clear the deck for the other committees. I don't know how the Liberals think this is going to go away. Uh, whether we have a committee or not, I am not going to stop my work. If we have a monkey wrench committee uh, that the Liberals set up, uh, we will continue to do our push at ethics. We well, will get well it goes away, I guess. If they, if, how much I, does Mr. Trudeau want to risk an election in the middle of a pandemic? That's going to be his choice. So I haven't seen good faith from them. We, right. We've got 24 hours left. The doors open. If they have a plan on the table, we shall see. Mr. Lamoureux, for someone suggests the calculation here is that uh, the government's looking to be rewarded with a majority government uh, for what it's done so far in the pandemic. And if it gets a majority government, uh, to a large extent, that probably silences any continued questions about we. But that's not what it's about, Peter. At the end of the day, from day one, we have been focused 
on providing the services that Canadians need, uh, badly need, working with other levels of government, working with nonprofits, and so many other organizations. You can talk about the CERB program, uh, the millions of people that we ensured that they had a disposable income. You can talk about the thousands of jobs that have been saved. There's, there's a lot to do. And uh, opposition combined can and should be playing a positive uh, role. And it doesn't mean that they can't criticize. But the preoccupation by the Conservative Party and their willingness to be disrupted to the, to the extent that it ha we have a dysfunctional parliament is not acceptable. All right, Mr. understand that there's a better way of doing things. Mr. Barrett, let me get a final comment from you in uh, this notion that uh, this it's all about uh, the possibility of trying to go win a majority government here and that uh, in large measure in all likelihood would put an end to questions about wheat. Well, that, that, that looks like the Prime Minister wants uh, an election. And, you know, the Parliamentary Secretary says that they want the opposition to stop asking questions about Liberal members breaking ethics laws. Well, I'll tell you what, if they stop breaking the law, we'll stop asking questions about it. And, uh, and an election is not going to make their problems go away. We will come back. We'll continue to ask questions. The Prime, Minister's, Prime Minister has been found to have broken ethics laws twice. He's under investigation for a third time. We're going to continue to press. But if Justin Trudeau wants an election, really, it's, it's him that has to make the walk to Rideau Hall. The rest of, the rest of parliamentarians, the official opposition, uh, the bloc has said that they're going to vote for this motion. We're, we're prepared. We're looking forward to hearing the, uh, the NDP uh, indicating that they'll support it so that we can finally get answers for Canadians and continue to provide support for Canadians whose lives and livelihoods depend on us. All right, we're going to see the uh, results of that vote, and we'll know where we're headed uh, tomorrow afternoon. Thank you, gentlemen, all for your time. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Well, I'm joined now by three members of the Parliamentary Press Gallery. Susan Delacord is a columnist for the Toronto Star. Joël Denis Bellavance is the Parliamentary Bureau Chief for La Presse. And John Iveson is a columnist for the National Post and uh, Parliamentary Bureau Chief for Post Media. Uh, so uh, here, here we go, maybe again. Susan, are we heading, uh, you know, we're heading down the tracks here towards a possible snap election over the Conservative motion to create this special committee to probe the weak controversy. Are we really going to have an election over this? You know, I, I, I think we've all been around long enough to know that elections happen over very stupid things sometimes. Uh, so it isn't what provokes it. Um, I, I am still betting heavily that there will be some arrangement between the NDP and the Liberals, uh, mainly because um, I think the NDP does not want an election. Uh, I listened to Mr. Singh very carefully. Uh, it's hard to parse his words. Uh, I think right now everybody is saying if there's an election, it's somebody else's fault, which is usually how we fall into elections, by the way. Mm -hmm. But I bet right now, uh, I don't want to be held to this tomorrow, um, my bet is that we're not. Okay, Joel, Joel Denis, what about you? Uh, do you think we're ahead of the polls? And what do you think of the Liberal strategy here? It, well, it tells me one thing, Peter is the fact that the Liberals want an election, would like to have an election. Because they're looking around and like in New Brunswick, for example, there was a minority government that was re-elected with a majority recently. And there's also a, um, a, a provincial elections in British Columbia and the NDP is in good position to win a majority again. So the Liberals know that governments that govern in this pandemic were rewarded. So I guess they feel that the time might be good for them too. But as 
Susan mentioned, I think the NAP wants to put the brake on the, this kind of stuff, and, and we'll see tomorrow what is the, uh, the final decision of the NDP. Uh, John, what are your thoughts here? Do you, do you think we're headed for an election? And, and, and is, is this about, as Joel Denis says, do you think the Liberals looking, trying to strike uh, at a, an electoral opportunity here? Or is there, uh, is there something they're trying to block from coming out of the WE investigation? Well, I had prematurely, I think, thought that the, the WE scandal was over when Bill Morneau left. But uh, they do seem very determined not to let the opposition parties uh, see all these documents, so, so who knows what might be there. I do think that they would like to have an election now. I mean, I saw a poll finding in one of our polls last week which suggested one-third of respondents uh, would have been destitute without government support. You know, in, in that circumstance, you've got a third of those people who are very grateful to the government for the way they've handled COVID. So I think it would, it would be odds-on the, the Liberals would win their majority back. But I don't think there'll be an election. I do think that the NDP, uh, it's in their interests not to have an election, partly because they've been so cosy with the Liberals. And I do think that uh, we've already seen signs from MPs like Charlie Angus saying uh, we could have a, a committee that did not necessarily look at the, the um, uh, go looking for the documents on Margaret Trudeau and Sasha Trudeau, which seems to be the main objection of the Prime Minister at the moment. Susan, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think this is about, uh, because we've seen the Liberals uh, 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 do everything they could to delay, uh, you know, the, the resurgence of a WE investigation at the Ethics Committee, at the Finance Committee, um, filibustering both of those committees uh, for the last number of, of weeks here. How much of this is about what else there might be to learn about the, the WE controversy and, and, or how much is just about uh, looking for an opportunity to, to win a majority government? You know, back in the summer, I talked to somebody uh, in the prime minister's office or close to the prime minister, let's say. Um, and I said, um, when they prorogued parliament, I said, it's that seems like a dumb idea to me because you're just giving Pierre Polyev and the conservatives a chance every day to have a news conference on what they're finding out about we. And uh, the liberals said to me, look, I want them to have a press conference every day about we. Uh, the if we are headed into a second wave, conservative standing talking about we charity and corruption in government makes them look really out of tune with the Canadian public. And um, I took them at their word for it. I My view from talking to them is they feel that they are past it too. And it wasn't so much that we energized opponents of the Liberals. It, it, uh, it made Liberals themselves nervous. And I think that's what they're trying to avoid is... They right now they had their their own people were very kind of happy with how they were dealing with the pandemic, the fact that they were helping people, as John said, um, and we made liberals nervous. And I don't think they want to resurrect that again. I mean, there's as well, Denis. Let, let's stay with this topic for the few minutes we have left here. The the uh, you know the liberals are making the case that look, nobody we we don't want to go to an election here. There's a pandemic to take care of, you know, and, and to help people through. But if we do end up in an election, who's who's gonna who, who's gonna bear the blame for it? That's a good question. Um, and I would say that all the parties will bear some responsibility. And and but the uh, up you know ultimately the blame might end up in the Liberals because they decided to make this vote a vote of confidence on the creation of a committee. 
So, and, and I would say that the leader of the government in the House of Commons today, Pablo Vadergas, did not plead his case very well to convince people there is a lot of skepticism uh, about why their liberals feel this is necessary to to have a confidence motion, a confidence vote on a mo on a motion that would create a committee. So, uh, I, but in this case, I think the blame game will last for a few weeks if there is an election, as opposed to a regular time when 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 uh, the blame games maybe last twenty four hours. This time, people will hold a grudge for a long time. I think against those who provoke the election. John, do you think that's a big factor? I mean, I'll, I'll, given the fact that we're, look, we, we have an election campaign underway in Saskatchewan. There's one in British Columbia. We had one in New Brunswick. Are, are people past the notion that now those largely fixed election dates are in a couple of cases, but are, are, are people past that or do you think there is blame to be assigned here? Uh, and who would get it if we go into an election tomorrow? Well, I think that the, at the end of the day, the people will, will vote according to how they perceive the government uh, handled the, the COVID crisis. That's what's on people's minds. That's what all the polls suggest. But having said that, you know, the government is clearly overreacting here. I mean, this, to, to have a, an election over the formation of a committee that is designed to hold the government to account is hardly in keeping with the, the sort of Olympian heights of accountability that they promised, particularly in 2015. I went back and looked at the 2015 platform today, and it reads like satire. I mean, you've got electoral reform, you've got uh, bolstering the access to information uh, legislation, you've got saying we will never prorogue or use omnibus bills, and we will strengthen committees. Now, in every one of those cases, the reality has fallen far short of what the Liberals promised. And I do think that this gives the Conservatives ammunition. If we do go to an election, this is something that the, the, the opposition parties can beat the government with. All right. Well, look, at the next 24 hours are going to be interesting and we'll have a chance to talk again. If we're in an election campaign, we might have a chance to talk a lot uh, more often than we do now. But uh, thank you all for your time tonight. We'll talk again. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Well, last night here on CPAC, we saw members of Parliament hold an emergency debate on the conflict in the lobster fishery in Nova Scotia, where Mi'kmaq fishers have faced violence and intimidation for exercising their constitutional right to harvest lobster. The tensions do remain high as additional RCMP officers have been brought in to try to keep the peace. Joining me now is Canada's Minister of Fisheries, Bernadette Jordan. Uh, Minister Jordan, first of all, thanks for taking time to speak with me tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, how much progress are you making in trying to get this conflict resolved? Where are you at? Well, I would say that we've actually made very good progress. We've been uh, very active on this file since the since the beginning. Um, as you know, Peter, this is a long-standing issue. It's a difficult situation. But I would say that with Sabaganagati specifically, we've had some really good positive conversations. The negotiations are going very well. And, you know, I mean, we're doing everything we can to make sure that we implement the right for the, the First Nations in Nova Scotia. Okay, um, I'm hearing that you've, you've, you've talked about appointing a special representative, I think. When will that happen? Uh, we're actually finalizing that hopefully, you know, within the, in the coming days. Uh, we think this is an extremely important piece to have the third, a third party neutral person to be able to, you know, foster the conversations between harvesters and First Nations. 
Uh, I want to be very clear, this is not somebody that's, you know, a negotiator, and they're not somebody who's at the negotiating table. It's just to make sure that we're, we're listening to what people are saying, that we're hearing from the harvesters who are, you know, uh, very concerned about what they see as possible threats to their livelihood. Um, and we want to make sure that they they have that voice that we desperately need to hear as well. I guess I'm wondering why you can't do that. Why do you need a, a, a described impartial third party? Uh, isn't that your role as the minister? Well, I mean, I actually have been listening to them. I've, I've been meeting with them on a, on a regular basis. Uh, I think that this is something that gives, gives people a little bit more uh, ability to talk freely um, I, you know, I mean, I'm obviously still very much part of the conversations and I will continue to be. Uh, I have been meeting with the, the harvesters since, well, like I said before, before I was even the Minister of Fisheries, I've met with harvesters as, as I represent a great deal of them in my riding. Um, but we want to make sure that we, we have that good fostered dialogue between the First Nations and the, uh, the, the fishers. And that's one of the, the things that we think is going to help move that forward. Why wasn't there a special representative appointed weeks ago uh, when this started to become a, a, a bit of an issue and where there started to be talk of conflict uh, to resolve it then before it got to the stage of violence? You know, I mean, it's been it's 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 a very difficult issue, Peter, and it's something that you know, getting everybody to 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 speak together has not been has not been easy. Uh, you know, I mean, I have, as I said, been in negotiations with the First Nations. I have been in conversations with the the harvesters. Uh, the harvesters had at one point been meeting with the the First Nations leadership. Um, you know, there's lots of challenges to to this file. But we're trying to make sure that we find the best way forward. And this is this is actually one of the ways that we've we've come to an agreement that this is something that people want to see. OK, uh, uh, hearing today that the uh, the member to First Nation in Cape Breton is also about to launch its own self-regulated lobster fishery. Uh, what are you doing to ensure that doesn't generate uh, another conflict uh, such as the one we're seeing in uh, southwest Nova Scotia? So we've been actually uh, actively meeting with the Assembly of First Nations Chiefs in Nova Scotia uh, to get their fishery plans so that we can, you know, work with them to make sure that we're able to uh, make sure that the right is implemented. Um, making sure we have the fisheries plan, the fishery plan in place is is something that's going to be critical as we go forward. We've had a very good plan from from Sabaganagadi that that we're working with now with them uh, to make sure that we're able to implement that right, and we're we're looking forward to doing that with other First Nations. The Marshall decision of the Supreme Court uh, of Canada in 1999, which is really at the center of all of this, it, it affirmed, as as you know, and many of our viewers will know, it affirmed the right of First Nations to earn a what's called a moderate livelihood from fishing. Uh, why is it taking so long to define what a moderate livelihood is for members of this Mi'kmaq nation at the center of the conflict? Well, I think that there's a there's a couple of things there, Peter. First of all, I don't think First Nations want the federal government to define what a moderate livelihood is. Uh, these are some. This is something that will be done through the negotiation process. Uh, you know, the last thing First Nations want is is a top down approach for for us to tell them. I think one of the challenges has been is what. What's a moderate livelihood in one area may be very different in another, and people have different plans and different ideas of what their moderate livelihood should look like. That's why we want to have these negotiations. But I, I would say that, you know, there has been progress made over the last 21 years. Uh, it's been incremental change. There's been investments made to make sure that First Nations are able to access the fishery. But we know that there's more that needs to be done. Uh, you know, we want to see this fully implemented. We want to make sure that this is a long-term solution. 
um, you know, we've we've got to make sure that we're making the progress that that First Nations so rightly deserve at this but, but point. Do you do you see it? Uh, do you see moderate livelihood as something to be to be determined as a? Uh, is it is it a monetary value? Is it a quota? And I I think First Nations have made it clear they'll resist a, the quota idea. What? How, how do you determine what is a moderate livelihood? Well, I don't want to prejudge anything that's going to come out of the negotiations at this point. You know, those are the those are all the conversations we're having about what does this look like for you? What does this look like for your community? Uh, we want to make sure that you know what we're doing is is what the First Nations see as the way, the best path forward for them, uh, recognizing that this is a, an affirmed right by the Supreme Court of Canada and that it, it needs to be implemented. Okay, a couple of things to finish up on here. Uh, commercial fishers have said, look, their big concern is, con uh, is conservation and they object to the, the big moth fishing out of season. Uh, do you believe they have a valid concern when it comes to the issue of conservation and fishing out of season? So first of all, I would say that, you know, there was nothing that I would do uh, that would ever, ever um, negatively impact the conservation of the species. This is something that is, is underpins every decision that we make at DFO. This is something that, you know, First Nations also want. This is something that commercial harvesters want. Conservation is something that's extremely important to all of us. Uh, we need to make sure that this stock is, is healthy and sustainable for years to come. And I would say that right now the, the stocks are healthy. Uh, you know, DFO does regular science. We have we have a, a, a healthy lobster population, and we're going to continue to make sure that we, we do the science that's necessary to uh, make the decisions that we have to make as we go forward. All right, just to finish quickly, to be, so to be clear, dealing with that directly, uh, do you believe that the actions of the Mi'kmaq harvesting lobster now, and I think they're, they've got some 550 traps in the water versus hundreds of thousands of commercial traps, they don't represent, in your view, a threat to lobster stocks? As I said, Peter, there's nothing that we would ever do that would impact the, that would negatively impact the lobster stocks. This is something that's that in, underpins our decisions. This is something that's critical to making sure that we have this species for the long term. Uh, you know that is something that will always be the top priority for us, and that's the conservation of the stocks. All right, uh, Fisheries Minister Bernadette Jordan, uh, thank you so much for talking to me tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you, Peter. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Primetime Politics from all of us here at CPAC. Thanks for watching. See you next time.